Hi there, and welcome everybody to the live Wednesday bulletin. Sorry about being a couple of minutes late there, but I just love listening to that intro over and over again. Um, and I nearly chucked uh, Kieran out for suggesting that Martin Waghorn scoring the third goal against Martin should have been in that intro. But there we go. Um, today I'm joined by uh, Scott Cameron. How are you doing today, Scott? Very good, mate. Looking forward to it. Oh yeah, me too. And uh, Kieran, it's been a while since you've been on. You've been away talking about. Uh, another sort of football, but uh, it's good to have you back. Yeah, um, a different, complete different shape, different um, part of the body you use as well. But nah, it's good to be talking about Rangers again, especially right in the midst of a really exciting week. Yeah, 100%. It has been a very, very exciting week. Um, as always, there's, there's lots to discuss. Um, on today's show, we're going to talk about how we expect Michael Beale's Rangers to look. And I think that's talking about personnel and the pitch, how we want them to play uh, and some of the, the members of staff off the pitch, which we, we've had a wee, uh, a wee chat about uh, off air. Um, more discussion on you know, the challenges that he faces. Um, um, maybe the, the, the guy's thoughts and, and the fact that Rangers talked to Francesco Farioli as well, which I found very interesting. I think it was Jordan Campbell. Um, led with that um, and talk about Rangers draw um, against St Johnson uh, in the Scottish Cup on the 21st of January but as always I always like to start with a wee on this day and I'm going to come to you first on this Scott Cameron um, I always find it weird talking about um, on a Wednesday especially this time of year talking about players that signed on this day it's, uh, it just seems weird that not signing people in the, in the summer in the, in the January transfer windows but uh, in 1989, Rangers signed Nigel Spackman from QPR. I think you mentioned that Ray Wilkins went the other way um, and um, maybe not uh, mentioned too much that we've, we've taken someone else from QPR. <laughs> um, but uh, Nigel Spackman had 124 appearances, three goals, three titles in a League Cup and a Scottish Cup. How uh, did you feel about, about Spackman and his time at Rangers, Scott? Well, I think uh, he was successful during his time at Rangers. Um, I think Ray Wilkins was a very different, very different player. And when uh, Sunas brought Nigel Spackman in, you you know he obviously knew him from his 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 time at Liverpool. He'd had injuries and what have you, but he was a bit of a, an all rounder. You know, I mean, he only scored three goals. The most famous of which was obviously uh, New Year's New Year's game. 1990, I think it was one 0 win. You know, I mean, he scored a goal against Celtic to to win a game, especially when you go across there. You can dine out on that for the rest of your the rest the, the rest of your life, sort of thing. You yeah. know, I mean, Terry 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 Hullock scored, and it was close closely. That was just be, just before that, but it was very much a. We had better players on the wings in, in those days, Mark Walters and Peter Hustra and guys like that. And the middle of the park was very much Spackman's job was just break the play up. He was a bit of an all-rounder who could get get a goal for you, you know. And I think he was the captain 1991 when we won the league the last day of the season. So he's he's been the captain last day of the season uh, deputising for Richard Goff when we won the league 2-0 Mark Hately scored two goals and he scored a goal, goal to win an old firm game so yeah it, he's played he's played a hundred and whatever games you know he's been successful during that period and I think one of uh, I don't think we paid a lot of money for him so you know and these guys contributed at that time. We were very good at bringing 
players in for a short period of time. At that point, 18 months to two years, they do the job and then you move them on sort of thing and that's what happened. But Spackman, Spackman was a, a very good player and we could do with somebody like that in the middle of the park at the at the moment, to be honest. He wasn't a Paul Gascoigne or a or an Ian Durant or, or somebody like that, you know, but he was just a a good pro and a good midfield player. Yeah, I think I think you've you've hit the nail on the head there. I think maybe we are missing a, a guy like that in the in the team at the minute. Whether uh, we bring somebody in like that in January, I think it's uh, to be revealed. But we'll, we'll find out soon enough. Um, and and Kieran, the next, uh, I, I know you and I both got very excited about this when, when we mentioned it. But uh, it's not a signing on this day or anything like that. But it's just it's Vladimir Vice's birthday. It caught my eye this because it was his thirty third birthday, and I was like, "Is this why he's perpetually linked with us <laughs> um, every transfer window for the last ten years?" But um, he joined on loan from from Man City. I think he, he famously turned Celtic down to to choose to play for us, um, and he won the league that year, um, which is title number fifty four and a League Cup, scoring five goals. What what's your memories of uh, of, of a guy like Vice at, at Rangers? I think what particularly sticks out is the moment he put Jelovic through an extra time yes. in the League Cup final against Celtic. Um, just that quick thinking moment of brilliance. But no, nah, I think very much like you, Kyle, I love to be entertained. And I know he had all the wee tricks and all the sort of like the wee drop of the shoulder. And he had all the things like a modern winger should have. Um, I was really gutted that we didn't re sign him or we didn't hold on to him. And I think we liked him because he was. Don't know, a bit cheeky off the park. I remember things like he was sitting not far from it, one of the old Firm games, and he had quite a colourful Ranger scarf towards the Celtic fans. Um, And the recreating Alan McGregor's penalty save when the trophy celebrations and stuff like that. So, although he was here for a short period of time, he he won the hearts of a lot of fans. So, if he's watching, I hope he has a lovely birthday. Yeah, that's it exactly. It's you've had the nail on the head again. It's for the um, it's that day when we, when the when the trophy, the title was getting paraded around the ground. It's just it was his antics, and I, and I seem to remember him doing the the juff to to all four corners of the ground many times over, and he was getting wildly lauded for it. But there we go. Um, look, I mean, it's no great secret. We're all here to talk about one thing and one thing only, and that's the the appointment of of uh, Michael Beale. For for Rangers, one of the worst kept secrets in Scottish football was was finally announced, and, and he was announced as the 18th manager of Rangers. Um, really keen to get your thoughts on this, Kieran. Seeing as you haven't um, really had a chance to to tell us what you think, so are you happy with the appointment of Michael Beale? I'm delighted, absolutely delighted. I was one of the ones that really sat in the fence with Giovanni Van Bronckhurst, where it was a bit of a love hate relationship. Um, and all I could think about was I really want to watch attractive football again and see when he knocked back Wolves and that Giovanni's job was pretty much on the cusp of gone at that point and everybody's saying there's no chance Bill comes there's no chance Bill comes he's just knocked back Wolves but I was saying surely you've got to ask the question and we've went and done it and we've secured them so I couldn't be happier and in terms of how good an appointment it is it's not like we're bringing in a Van Bronckhurst or we're bringing in someone that's unknown to what's going on here this season. He's been keeping an eye because the club won him over. He became a fan, so he has been keeping an eye on what's been going on at Rangers and the players that haven't been pulling their weight and the style of football that we've been playing. And I know we'll get on to that, but 
for me, it's, it's an outstanding appointment. I'm really interested to see how he does as a manager. I think that's what is a wee bit in doubt with some fans, if you get what I mean with that. But everybody spoke about what's Steven Gerrard going to be like without Michael Beale. Now we're talking about what's Michael Beale going to be like without Steven Gerrard, which is going to be the interesting thing. But we all know that Beale was the brains behind the Gerrard operation. And I am really looking forward to see what he done, does here. But on the other side, I feel a wee bit for him because he's got a mess to clean up. But at the same time, I think he's got it within his power to do it. Even watching the training videos. I mean, I, I, I've coached since a young age. And mm. watching his training videos, you can tell the team are buzzing off him. And I feel that if the players are engaged in training, then they start to buy into what you want to do. So a lot of these players have played for him and they will buy in. You might see guys like... Kamara get a lift, who is very integral in most things that Bill and Gerard done here. And I know we'll get on to talk about Kent later on, but he's someone that I'm keeping an eye on that I felt really failed under Van Bronckhurst's style of play. Because I, I remember under Advocat as well, he loved these wingers to have his heels right out as wide as they can on the line. And that doesn't suit Kent. Kent suits coming inside and, and being that menace. But yeah, I'm, I'm delighted we've got Beale in the door. Yeah, 100%. I think I, I'm very much in the same camp as you. I was a bit, not sceptical, but I think just due to his lack of experience, I, I questioned it. And I think I had I'd been on this podcast saying that uh, Dyche was maybe my front runner for, for the job because I thought we maybe needed a wee bit of stabilisation. But as you said, watching that that training ground video especially and, and some of the interviews that he's done, well, all of which we'll come on to later, um, yeah, just got, got the buzz back again. Um, and and you can all, I was going to say you can already see changes because I saw I saw Glenn Kamara shoot in that training video, but don't don't tell too many people that. Um, Scott, I said I'll come to you in this next point. Something that you know everybody that I've talked to about um, Bill and and just as it's just a couple of wee um, comments from from his interviews on RTV and Sky. So if you've not seen those already, I'm sure everybody watching this has, has seen them. But I urge everybody to go because they're fantastic interviews. Um, but he talks about the expectation being a privilege. There's no greater expectation than here in Glasgow, um, and he runs towards the challenge. Something I've heard a lot of people talking about is that it's important that Bill gets it. Do you feel that this is this is key in, in, in his appointment, and that it's that, that as a Rangers man, it's important that he understands the the goldfish bowl that is Glasgow and the level of expectations. I don't think he would have came back if. If he wasn't, uh, if that didn't turn them on, shall we say? You know, yeah. it's he knows that every game you need to win, and he, he speaks about winning with a a certain a certain style, a certain way of football, sort of thing. You know, so he one hundred percent gets it. We're in a position that by the time Santa Claus comes, we we'll have played three times, mm. and Michael Beale will know. And I used this a couple of nights ago that he has to hit the ground running with positive results across those those three games. Um, and that's what he's talking about, the pressure. It's a privilege to have that pressure. It's a privilege to have 50,000 people inside Ibrox and the fans that travel up uh, everywhere else. And then the hundreds of thousands of Rangers fans that are, are watching every, every week. So he gets it. He was here for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's he's well digress a wee bit. His family, I think, loved Glasgow and yeah. had a, a great life. And I think that I think that's a factor in his decision as well. 
Um, I think he, he sort of alluded to that, but he 100% gets it. But he knows the excitement that we're all feeling just now and enjoying his, uh, this, the sound bites from the interviews and the training videos very cleverly cleverly put together and, yeah. and what have you. Everybody's, if you rewind back seven days to how we're all sort of positive now and everything's great, but come the 15th of December against against Hibs, we have to we have to be on it and we have to put on a put on a performance and start with a win and then try and build build confidence and a bit of momentum after that. Yeah, I 100% totally agree. And and Kieran, just on the flip side of that that question, so to speak, is is it is it a worry that the expectations already so high because he's when G- when Gerard came in the first time around, um, he, he had time. He definitely got a couple of years that I don't think a lot of managers w- would have gotten, especially now that we've we are back in where we belong, so to speak. Um, but. Do you think that the expectations are are too high, or is it is it just part of being Rangers Football Club and 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 as supporters we demand those expectations and, and they should be met and and do you think you will be given time? I think you've got to give them time. I think it's completely and utterly unfair that you wouldn't give them time. And I think what buys them time is that the support absolutely love them. I think folk were split on bringing him in as a manager, but for what he's done previously for the club, I think there's no doubt at all that everyone is behind him at Rangers to go and do well now. Um, just It's one of the ones we love someone that comes here that's not been a Rangers fan, but mm-hmm. then they suddenly adopt us as their team. I always remember when him and Gerard left, and I'd said it previously on this podcast, that I was a wee bit more gutted at Bill going than Gerard going, just because how much he spoke about his kids loving Rangers and they'll grow up Rangers fans. And that really hits the heartstrings of Rangers fans who have got young kids that grow up as Rangers fans and knowing that this guy came to the club, not really knowing much about us and he's he's leaving and his kids support Rangers, I think. Did he not call one of his kids Alba after his time in Scotland and now he's back here? So, yeah, for, for me, there is expectations Big time because we know what he can deliver, but at the same time he's he's got time on his side in terms of he's he's a bit of a fan's favourite. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think I think you're correct in that the, the fact we already know a wee bit about him. People people that aren't you know I don't not born into Rangers so to speak. I, I think you know I think I can safely say that the three of us we were we were sort of born into Rangers and there was no choice in the matter, but. You know, he's got a rich football and history in terms of the clubs he's worked with, like at Liverpool and Chelsea and over away in, was it Sao Paulo, away over in Brazil we worked with? That's um, right. Actually, I listened to a podcast that was on, it was a coaching podcast, and he was yeah. saying that before the Sao Paulo job, I think he was fluent in Spanish, um, but to take the Sao Paulo job, he had to learn Portuguese. But this was on a Friday and he was flying out on the Monday, accepted it. And managed to learn Portuguese in three days. <laughs> so he, he was just, he was so committed to it and he, he knew that I had to do it. I know there's a lot of uh, likeness from between Spanish and Portuguese, so it probably helped that he understood Spanish. But that's what he was saying. The job had to be done. So I managed to learn the language in three days. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. I, th- I think I know the interview that you're talking about in a. He comes across as very classy and, and very intelligent and very smart in all of his interviews. So yeah, yeah totally backs that up. Um, Scott, I'll come to you in this next question, and it's 
What do you think um, Michael Beale's biggest challenges will be coming in the door? Um, For me, I was having a wee think about it and it was, it kind of referenced it in that that Sky interview, in the RTV interview a wee bit, and it was that um, he was maybe a bit over-familiar, a bit bit pally with some of the players, but he very, very definitively came out and said, I'm I'm not really close to them, I'm I'm not friends with them. He made that very um, sure. is that a worry for you, um, or, or or do you think there's other challenges that he's got to face when he's coming in? I think the biggest challenge he's got is so many players have underperformed. Um, and I think it's getting your Kents and your, your Morelos's and your Kamaras up, up to the level that we know that they can play. I'm just using those three. Um, but I think that's his biggest challenge. I don't think we're going to have a lot of players back that have been injured. I don't think come the Hibs game it's going to look massively different. But I think the way that those players play has to be better. Um, and I hope that's the work over the next couple of weeks is getting that message across, getting that intensity and getting the tempo about. And everything that he's talking about, every game Rangers should play on the front foot mm-hmm. and be attacking. That's, that's the, the words that you know, I, I love to see that's all Rangers should ever do uh, in every game, particularly in, in uh, the domestic the, the domestic game. So I think just getting players back up to a level that they know that we know that they are capable of. This this is a good squad. I don't care what anybody says. There is yeah. a lot of good football players inside the training centre. There's things that we we need in various positions. That's a different conversation. But you're not telling me that this Rangers squad isn't good enough to be far better than it's been over the last uh, the last three or four months domestically. Uh, I just think it, it's get players performing better that ha- that just haven't been. I don't know if they've phoned it in. Uh, they've stopped listening to Geo, just no buying into it. But equally, getting a Yilmaz or getting an Alex Lowry getting a Kemar Roof who was key during 55 you know so it's does doesn't quite answer your question but I think <laughs> get, get, getting getting more from the squad I think yeah. is his bigger his biggest challenge a couple of players out of contract in the summer what's going to happen there you know that's a that's I'm sure that'll be your next question yeah no, it's definitely something we'll come back to to later on in the podcast. But but Kieran, I'll chuck the exact same question out to you because I think it's important that that we discuss it. And what do you think that similar to to Scott and myself in terms of the challenges that Michael Beale faces, or, or do you think there's there's something else? Well, first and foremost, we've got to close that gap. It's nine points just now. I think it pains me to say it, but I think a lot of fans have now conceded the league. Look at the flip side of that. Between now and the next Old Firm game, if that gap closes in any way, then it's game on when they come to Ibrox. That's the way we've got to be looking at it and that's got to be the focus. The old cliche is take it one game at a time and I think that's the way Michael Beale will go about it. He's, he's, he's too experienced not to. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to think, in terms of the squad, I've seen a comment coming through there saying it's not the manager's the problem, it's the players. <laughs> that is part of the issue. But under Van Bronckhurst, I think the players had down tools. You commonly see that with a manager. But as Scott said, he's absolutely bang on. There's a good group of players in there. I don't believe that there's a group of bad players there. Um, 
guys are going to come alive in this style of play that he played. Scott mentioned Yilmaz. I think he'll feature um, more than he has under Van Bronckhurst. But like I said previously, we're not bringing in a guy that knows nothing about this club. It took Van Bronckhurst something like three months to figure out who John Lundstrom was before he nearly left on loan and became our best player. Yeah. So you're going to find that he's going to come in, give guys like Glenn Kamara a lift. Um, Scott said as well, developing that style of play, um, you look at guys like Kemar Roof and even Alfredo when people were crying out for them to play two up front. These guys couldn't fit into that front three if they weren't playing as a central striker under Van Bronckhurst. Under yeah. Beals 4-3-2-1 system where it's two sort of tens, you've seen it in the 55 season where Roof slotted in there and these numbers were phenomenal. Yeah. Now you've got guys like Rabi Matondo who I've wrote off completely, who you might see come to life now. You might see come to life in this new style of play that's going to be brought about and Guys like that will feast on it. It will give them a boost, which they really, really need at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely coming back to you in that Rabbi Matondo comment. Uh, I've made reference to that later on my notes, but uh, <laughs> that's that's two from you today, Kieran. That's a shocking. Clip it up, no problem. Bring <laughs> Wagon back while we're at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll speak to I'll speak to this as Ibrooks media team about it. All right. Um, <laughs> Look, uh, Scott. I know we've 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 touched on some of these things already, but I'm really keen to get your your thoughts and on, on how you think the, the the squad will will react to to, to Michael Beale coming in again. Just picking up in, in some of the comments that, that he had in, in in his interviews over the last couple of days. You know, starting the last two days, it's slightly different to the work we've been doing under Geo, Even different to the work when he was there before. We've all got to go through it again and, and build the team under my ideas. I think we've. As supporters, we've got a rough idea of, of what that will be. So, are you expecting a return to the sort of the four three two one that, that Kieran alluded to there? And the they're and we've not to call them what was it? They're, they're tens. They're not wingers and inverted wingers and all this chat. Do you think we'll be going back to that? I think it's hard to say. You know, I think um, he, he is now his own man. You know, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's. A flexibility that that is maybe a preferred system, but you know you can go four two three one or you can go four three three or I I really don't know. Um, I just think the players look happier. Um, the training videos look at a better tempo. Um, but how we look on the fifteenth against Hibs, I just expect a Rangers team, no matter how we set up. Whatever formation, I expect a Rangers team on the front foot playing with a tempo. How that looks, 4-4-2, I'm not really sure if it's going to revert back to... I, I don't think it'll be Jack Lundstrom Kamara, for example, as, as, a, as a three. I would I would be surprised if, mm-hmm. if we, we went back to that. But... Um, we just have to wait and see. I just want whatever the, he decides to do that we're playing on the front foot with a tempo. Yeah. I mean, let us know in the comments how, how you guys think think we'll set up if you think we'll see that sort of four three two one and with the inverted wingers and and because I know is uh, I mean I'm only going in the the very, very brief QPR um, highlights that I've seen and it seemed to be that that was the way that he set up down there and it, and it was very similar to to towards the you know Gerard's time at Rangers as well. Um, a, a question I wasn't planning on asking this, but I, I, I've seen it mentioned quite quite a few times in, in the comments already, Kieran. But it, it's about um, 
Rangers, a lot of people seem to think that they will now be playing a lot more youth players. Um, do you see that as is is um, something that the Bill will do promote youth players? I'm looking at guys like like Lowry who looked. I mean, I know it's only a training video, but he looked unbelievable in that training video. Um, another guy that really caught my eye was was Zach Lovelace as well. You could really hear the the coaches who will come on to later. Um, really, really encouraging him to, to to strike a ball. He looks good. Do you, so do you see us promoting guys like this from the, the B, the development squad, up to the first team under view? I'd love to see it, but I think the time will come. Um, with any Rangers manager, the difficulty with promoting youth is that they're under pressure to win trophies and win every single game. And if promoting youth comes as a cost of that, not winning things, then we won't be doing it. But the flip side of it is, if they're ready, then why not get them in there? I think in terms of Alex Lowry's case, I think he's been frustrated at the lack of first-team football, maybe frustrated that he didn't get a loan move and that he remained and he's not had his chance, albeit he has been injured. But there was a time and place where he could have had his chance and wasn't given it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to what we were speaking about in terms of style of play, and formation, I think the style of playing formation under Beal suits Alex Lowry to the ground. Yes. Now, I know that we were at a stage where if Ryan Kent wasn't playing, then Lowry would have got his chance. And Ryan Kent not playing is next to no time. It never, ever happens. Now that you've got this sort of, a lot of the time in the 55 season where we've seen a lot of the wingers switch around, if you can even call them wingers, when they came inside... That's his position. Um, you've got guys like Tillman as well that's really going to breed off this. Um, but a guy I'd love to see get a chance, and I think he's done well, is Charlie McCann when he's came in. Now, I know a lot of the time he got into good positions and missed a lot of chances at Ibrooks. But if you're getting in their positions, once that guy's got a good few games under his belt, he's going to relax. He's going to score goals. He's going to do well for us. Um in terms of the here and now, I don't think there's money there to be spent in January. So guys are going to get a chance. Our squad's quite depleted with injuries, and I think that'll be the same when we come back. Five weeks off doesn't just change that overnight. Like, that doesn't really make much sense, but it yeah. doesn't really change it in terms of injuries. Like Goldson's still going to take a while to come back. We might see Hadji sooner. Halander, I don't think we'll see this season. So guys like Leon King at the back, King's still going to hold his place there. So yeah. That- I, th- I think that's the one. King's definitely going to hold his place. We can guarantee that. But in terms of Lowry, McCann, they're going to have a spring in their step knowing how Bill plays, that they are going to get their chance, which is a good thing. It's a really good thing. Yeah, I think I think that there's no argument against it that that training video was really... There was... I don't know if it's just a new manager thing or because maybe... I, I don't know. I, I'm quite... Um, I religiously watch the training videos before every game midweek. I'm Scott, I see you nodding your head there as well in agreement with me. Because you just, you love Rangers, you want to see everything that's going on. And, and uh, you know, it was there just seemed to be a zip, a, a buzz about it. And, and everybody was really encouraged. And as I, as I said, Kamara shooting, pff, when do you ever see stuff like that happening? So, Were you watching the right video? Aye. <laughs> do you know something? Compare this to um, No Tricks, Tricks are for the Circus video. Um, yeah. There was a feeling about me at that point where I was like, my God, Ryan Kent lives and breathes on tricks. What are we <laughs> going to see here? And well, here we are now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's it exactly. So, no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, look, Cammy, it's Cammy, it's because of your, your name there, Scott. Um, Scott, I'll come to you on this next point. And it was the sort of the 
last wee bit of the, the Sky Sports interview that was released today, um, and it specifically where where Bill alluded to Ryan Kent and, and Alfredo Morelos. The first thing I noticed about him when he talked about that was Bill stated that he said um, he will get to have an opinion on this um, for sure. So I think that shows that he'll be working with, with Wilson on that. A question we maybe had in the past of Gio was, was he picking the players? I think it it's no secret that it was a glaring omission that we had a, you know, Ajax's uh, Youth Academy director uh, in, in Van Bronckhorst, not one Dutch player in, in the team. Um, and um, he says that, you know, he speaks very highly of both players um, and he thinks that they are capable of more than they are showing. Um, do you foresee a, a change in attitude from guys like Morelos and, and, and Kent now, now Beals in? I think uh, there's some players we're delighted with the managerial change. And I think Ryan Kent is... 100% he'll he'll be buzzing off it and I think it's very honest from Michael Beale he's not he's not slaughtered the players but he's basically said he knows what they're capable of they haven't been performing to the to the level um so I think they they're going into the last six months of their contract I think Michael Beale Ross Wilson we spoke about it in our our chat today with regard to who would like and I think Michael Beale will want both players to extend their contract mm-hmm. to be honest with you but the caveat to that is they have to be shown it and I think he referenced about being all in um, I think it's one that a lot of them use with regard to you know if you're not shown you're committed you'll just get moved to the, moved to the side and he'll work with players that that are showing the right attitude and fitness and and application and all that that sort of thing. So Kent has had a frustrating season, you know. Um, I'm I'm just going to say now when we done our predictions at the start of the, the season, which are never to be never to be seen ever again. Yeah. I had I had I had Ryan Kent. This was going to be his season. He was going to get goals. He was going to get assists. He was going to be Player of the Year. He was going to be up for the Ballon d'Or in a couple of years' time. And it's 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 just not happened. But he is one of those players that I think Michael Beale has known. I think he said, I've known him since he was a 14-year-old boy. So he knows what makes Ryan Kent tick. He can also communicate with uh, Alfredo. Um, I think Alfredo's con- condition, uh, physical condition, I think is the biggest uh, thing that Michael Beale has over the next couple of weeks to get him into a... A physical condition, and then work with what's going on inside the inside the head. But I would love to see both players stay, but it's it's up to both players that they have to they have to show Michael Beal. Yeah, um, totally agree with you on that one as well. I think um, it will be interesting. I, I think he'll be really keen, especially with Morelos, to, to push a new deal. Um, RFC fifty six says I would give Kent another chance, but definitely not Morelos. I think it's. Often when I'm doing these shows, I, I, I know that RFC 56 isn't, isn't a fan of Alfie and, and I can partly understand where he's coming from with it, with his attitude and, and, and work rate sometimes. I think it's fair enough. But, um, Kieran, do you, are you in that camp? Um, do you think, would you give Morelos a new deal and, and or, or Kent a new deal as well? And, and, and how do you think guys like this will perform under Beal, especially since Beal... Did he say in his interview that he'd known Ryan Kent since he was like 14 or something like that? Yeah, like that's, that's got, his family. 
yeah, that's got to be very rare in, in a football and a professional football club where the manager's known known one of his players for so long. Yeah, to be honest, I'd be surprised if that conversation hadn't happened already. Um, mm. But with Ken, I absolutely love Ken at Rangers. He's underperformed this year, but I think he's been a victim of that style of play. And it worked last year in Europe, but then again, coming into this season, there's probably part of him thinking, I don't want to play in this style of play. Maybe it's not for me anymore. Now that Bill's come back in, he'll get a lift from that. Trust me, he's... Hopefully we now see. Hopefully we now see the good side of Ryan Kent because let's not beat around the bush. Under Gerard and Bailey did have barren spells as well, where he went through the the motions and then he started to peak again. There's a, there's a player in there, and we all know how good he can be in his day. That Ryan Kent that scared the life out of Celtic every time we played against him. I think we're going to see that again. I really do because. I've got a lot, a lot of faith in Bill's style of playing, the way that he goes about things. In terms of Morelos, it's easy to forget how good he can be as well. Um, but if you remember back again under Gerard and Bill, that folk were getting frustrated at how deep he dropped. Now, what if we could factor into him dropping deep and Cholak staying higher and it now becomes a characteristic of our style of play? He then becomes very, very important to Rangers and... There's no doubt he can do a job, but once again, he's got to be worth it. He's got to be worth that new deal. What if we sign up to this season's Alfredo Morelos for another four years? That's not good business whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very, very divided in the comments. I can see <clears throat> a lot of people saying that you know Morelos should go and if, if, if we can get money for him at, at January, sell him. Um, and I've seen a couple of comments saying, you know, should be able to get the best out of him. I think overwhelmingly people want to keep Ryan Kent as well, which is which is good to see because he's an entertainer at the end of the day. I think he's arguably the most technically gifted player in our squad. Um, but yeah, but Kyle, uh, Kyle, see the thing with Alfredo. Listen, I'm his, I'm, I'm team Alfredo. I'm surprised. Oh, yeah. my wee, I'm surprised my wee boy hasn't came on the, the comments downstairs. He loves <laughs> lo, lo, loves loves Buffalo, but. A four-year contract isn't going to happen. But I think the way I'm looking at it is if Michael Beale can get Alfredo and Ryan Kent tied to another two-year contract, but get two years on it so that we then get a value. So that as it stands, we we paid a million pound for Alfredo and we have had more than our money's worth for him. Ryan Kent, we paid £7 million for and probably a million pound a year across the last four years. Mm-hmm. So there's, the, there's that point of it as well. They have to show that they, they deserve the contract. But there's, there's the business side of it as well that um, if you could get them tied, what would that be, 2025, 20, two-year contract, you're not giving Morelos a four-year contract and then he can... He can coast sort of thing. Um, but I think as, as it stands just now, of the two, I would think Ryan Kent is more likely to extend his contract of the two, to be honest. Yeah, it's, you were talking sense here in terms of you know return and in, in investment and in, in value in terms of these players as well. But it's just, it never works that way with football fans. But yeah, I, I totally understand what you're saying. If you look at it as in terms of an investment, have we got our money's worth out of Morelos? 100%. Have we got our money's worth out of Kent? 
maybe a debate up up about that one. But yeah, I think he's he's certainly gone some way in, in recouping that in terms of helping us get to the Champions League. Um, but um, in terms of the next point, I'll, I'll, I'll go to you on this one, Scott, if that's all right. Um, it's just really keen to get get your thoughts and, and guys. I know we've already alluded to a couple of them uh, in the podcast already, but guys like Yilmaz and, and, and Tillman, I know that um, Bill alluded, alluded to Lawrence, uh, especially in, in, his, um, in his interviews. I think he talked about Ben Davies as well, which, which is quite interesting to see. Um, and, I, and this is what I'm saying, coming back to this, Kieran, I put Matondo, and then I've got a big question mark in my notes. I know, I know there's somebody that, in my work that, that, that comes in and, and he said that he's very, very keen to, to see how, how Matondo will, will work in that system. I think he thinks that he's going to be a totally different player. Um, under Beal, but uh, do you agree with with that, um, Scott? Do you think that we are going to see guys like this thrive in a, in a Beal system? Are these players that are suited to this the, the way that he plays? Well, I, th- well, I think uh, repeating what I said with regard to playing on the front foot at a tempo and attacking football, I would love to be in a place where we've got one sitting midfield player, whether that is John Lundstrom, uh, Sands, Davis, Jack, whoever that may be. And the two, the two players next to them were Lawrence and Tillman. You know that that for me, um, in eighty percent of the games that we play domestically, and then you've got uh, Cholak or Morelos as your central striker, and Kent and Sematondo as or Kemal Roof or whatever it may be. But you've got five attacking players plus. Plus Tavin Yilmaz, so you're playing with you're playing with seven attackers. Good luck to the the three boys that are having to do the running about and defending right enough. But yeah. I think um, I think Yilmaz is a player that will definitely um, will definitely feature far more. Um, and I, th- I think Kemar Roof coming back in if into fitness, how how long that may last. But I think he's he's a player that um, Michael Beale knows and and trusts. Yeah, again, that that was another name that was very um, notably mentioned in that interview was when he said that, you know, he reminded us that Kamar Roof was the top goal scorer um, in in the 55 season and and he's still at the club. And if there's anybody to get a tune out of him, again, I I think Michael Beale will be the man. Um, Kieran, it's the exact same question to you. Are you excited to see guys like like Yilmaz and Tillman and and, and Lawrence all all working in this? What is a, a very, very attacking and direct system. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Guys, like, to be honest, see Lawrence, thinking about Michael Beale, I'll be honest, I completely forgot about him. <laughs> I know that sounds yeah. terrible, but because he's been injured, I think he'll feature primarily as a central midfielder, though. The reason I say that is because Beale loves a winger, but he loves an inverted winger. Remember, we go back to that coaching podcast we were talking about, he was going on about how he loves signing wingers because he was a winger himself back in the day. And I remember under Gerard, we had an absolute abundance of wingers. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he plays him. Yilmaz, you've got a young player there that is very, very raw. I think he needs to work harder, but he's got all the technical ability there to be a top, top class number 10 or even a number 8 that goes box to box. Um, but... Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to the style of play. Watching that, I know it'll be famously coined the horseshoe under <laughs> Van Bronckhorst. Just, 
I, I lost what little hair I've got left here. Watch. <laughs> so, nah, I'm I'm looking forward to see what Bill does. I'll be absolutely stunned if it's not that four three two one. And I don't know if anybody's seen the the tweet or the TikTok that's going about now. It was an interview with Jermaine Defoe a while ago, and he was talking about the conversation with Michael Beale about. Look, Alfredo's going to be out for a while. Do you mind playing through the middle yourself? What I'm going to do is instead of the wingers playing as wingers, we're going to pull them in and they're going to play close to you so that all you need to do is occupy the two centre-backs, let these guys move around about you and they'll create your chances. And we've seen that at work, that that tweak. And then we never looked back. The, the, the three midfielders that sort of go and shut down wide players was something that we hadn't seen before. It was almost like... They played like your left, your left of centre, central midfield went out to left mid when the opposition was coming down the right, and vice versa. It was a three that worked almost like a a four, and as that style of play suits guys like Kamara to the ground. But it'll be interesting to see how the guys that haven't played under Bill adapt to that. But I've got no doubt that that would suit Tom Lawrence a lot in terms of yeah. a guy that works hard, likes to get stuck in, likes to get on the ball. I think it's going to suit him down to the ground, so I'm excited to see that. But once again, we've got so many injuries. <laughs> so it's going to be refreshing to see these guys come back and fit into the system. Yeah, to- I totally agree. Um, I think that the last comment or the last um, part of the podcast where we'll talk about the actual playing squad, I think I- I'll go to this and-, and I'll come to you on this, Scott, if that's all right. Um, it's a simple question from Stuart Keane. Will Cholak fit into Bill's system? But uh, if he sc- scores goals, he scores goals, then <laughs> you know, he, I think, um, I, I, you know, what camp I'm in. I, I want Alfredo Morelos yeah. to be the Ranger centre forward, but without uh Cholak this season, I dread to think where we would actually be. So he, he is the man in possession, and it's up to Alfredo to. To get his finger out, get himself in a in a physical condition to to make himself the number one striker. So yeah. I don't think he'll have a he will have a type, but that could be longer term. I think short term, uh, Antonio Sholak will be the the guy that starts the next the next few games. I don't have any doubt about that. Whether he's the a centre forward for us moving forward after that, then, but what he's got here and now. I think he will undoubtedly fit into the system and hopefully he keeps scoring goals. Yeah, I know. I was I was trying to poke the bear there, literally and metaphorically, and it never worked. So fair play to sticking for your, your guns there, Scott, and, and staying aboard the Alfie train. Um, look, that's that in terms of the, the playing staff. Um, I think it's important that we talk about some of, some of the coaching staff that we brought in as well. I was having a wee look um, today and I look at the guys. The three definite appointments are Neil Banfield, Damien Matthew and, and, and Harry Watling. Um, the, just to give everybody a, a wee bit of a, an insight in some of these guys, I know that everybody that's watching Dune um, will have already done their own research and we're straight on to see who these guys were. But uh, Neil Banfield, he seems to be the, the one that intrigues me the most out of, of, of all the coaches we brought in. A wee bit about his history is he's going to be Beale's assistant. Obviously, he's worked with him at QPR. He began at Arsenal uh, in the academy and oversaw guys like Ashley Cole, Jack Wilshire, Fabregas and Van Persie all being promoted to the first team. So again, another guy in our coaching staff who's who's got experience at promoting youth. Um, and then he basically was 
told by Wenger, I want you in my first team coaching staff. He's got a, a bit of a reputation for for being a no nonsense guy and, and and saying how it is, which was which was definitely a criticism of of the of the geo regime in terms of us being too soft and on people at times. Um, another guy that we brought in, Damien Matthews, a first team coach, played in the Premier League with Chelsea and Crystal Palace, and, and again has been a, a coach at loads of clubs like like Charlton, Wolves, and, and QPR as well, and Harry Watlin. And it was Kieran that, that, that said this to me before we came on. He's the, the set-piece specialist. That's something that I hadn't actually seen. But um, a couple of things about his credentials was he was one of the uh, the youngest ever English coaches to get his UEFA A licence at 26, which is bonkers. I'm sure you'll attest to that being a coach as well, Kieran. Um, and he's been involved in the academy at, at Chelsea, Millwall and West Ham. Um, interestingly enough, I saw that he's also a head, he was also a head coach at the USL Championship side, um, Harford Athletic, so he's got experience as a manager as well, which is which is interesting. Um, I'll come to you on this, Kieran. Um, what's your your thoughts on 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 these guys being involved, especially Banfield and and his um and the reputation that he has for being quite uh, quite a disciplinarian and just telling people if it is calling a spade a spade. Yeah, I think we need that. Um, when you were speaking about Bill's interview, he spoke a lot about standards as well. Now, when you've got someone there who is a bit of a disciplinarian amongst the staff, then it can only bode well for things. If I'm being really honest, I thought standards slipped a bit during Van Bronckhurst's reign. We heard a lot of whispers about Matondo's attitude, Kamara's attitude, being late for a lot of things. Have you seen what happened with Morelos, being out quite a lot? We need somebody that's straight talking in there because... When you're managing a team of players and a team that have maybe took their eye off the ball a wee bit since going to the Europa League final, then maybe there's a problem with the egos in the dressing room. I'm just speculating when I say that. But when you've got guys like him that have worked at Arsenal with big players and he is a straight talker, I'd hope he wouldn't have a problem saying things to the bigger players that have stepped out of line slightly. Because standards is something that Rangers lives and breathes on and it must be like that on a day-to-day basis. And I think I read somewhere else that um, Bamford played a big part in Bill actually getting into coaching at that level. So there's a good relationship there. And it, it, it was something that when we were bringing Bill and I did think about, I wonder if it, some of Gerard's staff will come with them in terms of your call show and stuff like that. But what's the guy's second name again? Harry? Hey, Harry Watling. Harry Watling, yes. Yeah, so a lot of fans were delighted to see when the words uh, set-piece specialist <laughs> were next to his name. It's something that we've been crying out for. Under Geo, it was so bad at times. It was unbelievable. Every time there was an in-swinging corner, then we knew we were up against it. That's where we were targeted by the lesser teams that would sit in, that we knew they would have a chance every single set-piece. So hopefully the tide changes in that sense. So, yeah, I'm really interested to see. Now, listen... We didn't know who Michael Beale was when he came in with Gerard. So, in that sense, it's the same with these guys. It's it's going to be really interesting to see who they who they got on. Who knows? The the next Rangers manager might be one of their names. There we go. I been in the door three days, and you've already got Harry Watland down as the not the next Rangers manager, but the manager after him. <laughs> I don't even know where to go for there. <laughs> we're clipping that as well, Kieran. <laughs> I'm having a nightmare tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all, man. Uh, and look, Scott, again, I'd be really keen to get your thoughts on, on these guys. I see a couple of comments uh, relating to especially the 
that we've been crying out for for a set piece coach from from Brian Spark there. Um, what what's your thoughts on on the personnel that we seem to have brought in, and would you add anybody else? Fitness coach Cough. Uh, well, I think uh, Tom Culshaw, I think, was our set-piece coach, I think, under the previous regime. So I think you can safely say he's not going to be he's not going to be coming back. Set-piece coach, I just want, when, when we are, uh, we have a corner that we vary it. It's no, I'm not looking for, like, the most fantastic uh, set-pieces that have to be different. But it's just try in swinger, try out swinger, try short corners, try, you know, rather than just like the St Johnston game a couple of weeks ago where uh, Ian Crocker told us we had 122 corners in the first 25 minutes, but we tried to do the same thing every time. Um, so that's, that's again, that's work that's going to be going on in the, the training pitch. Yeah. That we aren't just doing this. What's the thing they say about doing the same insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. So, set piece set pieces are all about um, variation, and I think defensive set pieces. It will be interesting to see what sort of uh, approach we have to defending. You know, Um, that uh, the Banfield huge reputation. uh, Obviously, working with with Arson. With Arsene Wenger, Arsene Wenger doesn't get you involved if you don't have uh, you don't have something about you. Somebody else coming in, I think there probably will be another couple. Uh, Jordan Milsom would be would would be nice. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he brings in a local coach. And I think I spoke about this a couple of days ago. They have to just because they played for Rangers isn't a a qualification to get a job. They have to have the credentials. They have to be able to bring something to the bring something to the party in the in the, the training ground and on and off the on and off the park. So okay, the usual suspects will yeah. I'll be linked. But does it have to be somebody that's been at Rangers? Can it just be somebody that is good within Scotland? That I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. But is there somebody? Um, that would come in and, and supplement what what we've got, you know. I'd I'd love to see Kevin Thompson, Neil McCann, yeah, Lee McCulloch's another one, and people would probably turn their nose up at it. But he's been an assistant and he, he's got a bit of experience as well, you know. But I'm I mean, I'm just throwing names. I'm no Lee McCulloch's agent or anything like that. I'm just uh, trying to throw suggestions, but I think there will still have to be another couple come in to to supplement um, to supplement what's there. But I uh, all very exciting. Can I add to that? Sorry, it is very exciting because you look at where we were just a month or so ago. We had the goalkeeper taking set pieces in training. Sorry, the goalkeeping coach taking set pieces in training. We had the kit man at one point taking the warm ups. We had. When Giovanni first came in, him and Roy Mackay, and then Dave Voss came later on, and then he started to build with coaches that were already there in the first place. And that's no stint in them. I, I, I don't know how good or bad they've done, but it's refreshing to see a team of guys that are coming in that have got unbelievable CVs that look like they really could work as a team and alongside Bill because he was once in their position in the first place. So I'm, I'm glad we've got a team 
of coaches coming in that all bring their own styles to the table, um, considering where we were not so long ago. Yeah, again, totally agree with with everything you both said there. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily a, necessary at all that we have to bring in somebody that's that's, that's ranger rangers minded. For me, it's it's all about the credentials and, and how good a coach they are, because we've already got the rangers minded manager <laughs> for, for me. And his, everything he said in his interviews, he he speaks like somebody that has been supporting Glasgow Rangers since he was since he was born. So I just I, I don't think it's the it's the be all and end all if if we don't get somebody with a you know a Rangers man on but you know guys like you talk about Neil McCann I'd love to have him have him board but because I think he's a good coach and, and I like the way he talks about football Kevin Thompson as well I think he's a good coach as well he shows you what he's done at Kelty Hearts and and I love hearing him and I'm sure we all heard that um the BBC interview that he had with, with, with Tom English and it was fantastic um and yeah, it'd be interesting. It's not necessary to have guys around the club, but like that. But it would be nice. Um, look, there's there's three points that I'd maybe quite like to just rattle through quite quickly. Um, I'll come to you in this one first, uh, Kieran, if that's all right. Uh, it's Jordan Campbell mentioned that Rangers as well spoke to the Alanya Sport manager Francesco Farioli. I know, seeing as you're keen about talking about ones for the for the future in this podcast. Um, is it encouraging maybe that the, the board have maybe like talked to a guy like that, or do you think it was just a bit of um, a bit of a smokescreen to 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 say that we had in fact discussed the the, the vacancy with other candidates? I'm one hundred percent on board with you that this is a smokescreen, yeah. and it's been fed to a guy that's works very close to Rangers. I think it's been sent as a smokescreen because. It's very reminiscent of when we brought Van Bronckhurst in that we spoke to three different candidates because we all know we didn't. There was only pictures of Ross Wilson meeting Giovanni in London and there was no pictures of him meeting anybody else. So we know that we only spoke to Van Bronckhurst and things moved on pretty quickly there. I think it's the same in this case. They knew they wanted Bill. I think they've had their eye on him for a wee while and you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. If they had spoke to him and the off chance that the Rangers' job comes up, then it was his, considering that he knocked back the Wolves' job, not knowing how long Van Bronckhurst would last in this job. Yeah. It feels very much to me like it is a smokescreen um, to sort of help the reputation of guys working in the boardroom that are under pressure at the moment. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. Um, and my next point, Scott, I'll, I'll come to you on this. Just what what's your reaction to the Scottish Cup draw? I think it was Monday was that made on um, that we've drawn St Johnson away, playing them on the twenty first of January. Um, I suppose this is a, a, a veiled question to ask you: How important do you feel that the two domestic cups now are to to Bill? Are they? Do we? Is it a must win both? Um, would you be happy with one, or or would you rather be concentrated in the league? I think the cups. I think the cup. Go back to the cup draw. I was. Uh, I was delighted that my bank account wasn't going to be hit with twenty five pound. Twenty five pound on the first of January, um, but no, tr- tricky, tricky sort of away tie. We play them in the league the following week at Ibrox, which is never particularly enjoyable when you're going to have the same opposition back to, back to back, but. We've got the cup semi final. We've got the cup semi final against Aberdeen the week before that at, uh, at Hamden. So I think it's important that we we reach the we reach the league cup final and get to the final. You would imagine it's going to be going to be Celtic that we face there. 
and then it's a case of progressing through the rounds in the Scottish Cup. Similar time, many years ago, Dick Advocat left and Alex McLeish took over from him and we were in a probably a similar uh, state of flux, um, shall we say, yeah. and he had, a, he had a better group of players to, to work with, you know, Kanija and, and guys like that, but Alex McLeish had an, in, an, inst, an instant impact. We went to Celtic Park maybe a couple of months later and we won by a couple of goals. We lifted the, the League Cup and then we, we, we ended the season winning the Scottish Cup. So that can that can happen again, and I think that that will ease pressure on Michael Beale if he can end the season with a couple of cups. I think he certainly has to end the season with silverware. I think that's that's definite because without being too pessimistic, we can't have them lifting a domestic treble, you know. And I know Michael Beale has to get has to get time. But you're you're right up against it if you allow that to happen over the next the next six months. So again, has to hit the hit the ground running, winning games early doors. But I think it's vitally important that we that we lift something, and if we can lift a couple of cups and get closer in the league, I've not gave up on the league. You know, a lot of people have gave up on the league, but if we get to the position where we can win the league games before we play them on the 2nd of January, apply a bit of pressure and get it back to six points. Who's, who's to say? But I think we have to get a bit closer in the league um, and and ideally lift the two cups. Yeah, that's why I like having you on the pod, Scott, because you're the, you're the eternal eternal optimist, aren't you? I always bring a bit of positivity when I'm a bit doer about things, but uh, I totally agree with you know Paul McGarrigal there. Um, that he needs to put down a marker with with the cups. Um, I know this has gone a, a bit of a, a long pod. I, I've got one final point, oddly enough, not Rangers related. That I'm really keen to get Kieran's thoughts on um, being a coach, and it, it actually seems to be um, the SFA have made a, what I would credit as being quite a a, a unique and unique and, and sort of leading uh, initiative in terms of that they decided to restrict heading before and after matches as leading research from the University of Glasgow discovered that football players are up to and this is insane three and a half more times three and a half times more likely to die from a brain related disease um talking about you know dementia and stuff like that what do you think of this initiative Kieran um is it a good thing and and is, and is it, are you surprised that the, that the SFA appear to be, and it's not something you say often, world leaders in this? Because to my knowledge, there's not another league in, in the world that's doing something like this. Yeah, it's, it's nice to see them on the front foot for a change. Um, and in terms of heading, it seems to be something that's coming to the forefront um, around the world with football. It was Alan Shearer who had done a documentary on it in the BBC um, just over a year ago saying how much it is related to brain-related diseases like dementia, etc. Um, for me, it only benefits. Like, How much do you have to practice heading and training? I remember our treasurer, when I, when I was coaching this time last year, had text saying, look, I think we should stop doing heading and training um, because the SFA at the time had sent out a sort of blanket email across all the clubs, even at amateur level, to say about the dangers of heading in football in the back of that documentary. So it's a good move. I like it in a way, but 
you should be practicing with your feet anyway. <laughs> Very much the old school with yeah. that. That, and I don't, I don't know too much about the research. I'll admit to that. That it's obviously been a big factor previously, where the balls have been a lot heavier and of a different style. Where it's been, I know, like older gents that I've spoke to have saying it was like header in a medicine ball. These things, so you can see why this causes issues. You alluded earlier that. I'm quite heavy into my NFL. Like concussion yeah. is a huge, huge factor to what's happening over there, and they're still making moves to make the game safer. Um, and when you look deep into the conditions that can only be detected once you've passed, that things like CTE and stuff like that. I don't know for anyone that's watched Aaron Hernandez documentary that yeah. blows to the head are very, very dangerous and. Like I said, I don't know the full extent of the study at Glasgow University, but I can't imagine that heading a ball too many times is good for you. And I can vouch for that. I'm, I'm born <laughs> with a big head for a reason. And <laughs> so, now as it's a step in the right direction, it's good to see that they're doing something about it. Yeah, I totally agree. It's it, it's just nice to to speak about the SFA positively for once and, and I think it's a great initiative and, and you know it's something very close to me and, and, and I'm glad that they are taking action on it but look that's been a lot longer than I was this is meant to be a half hour podcast but we've got a new manager and lots to talk about so I think a, an hour was, was exactly what it deserved but I just want to say thanks to the two guys that, that joined us tonight thanks very much Scott Thank you guys it's been good enjoyed it Yeah and thanks very much Kieran. nice to see you back on uh, it's always a pleasure to be on and hopefully I don't see some of these clips again where I've made predictions <laughs> that don't quite come to fruition. <laughs> no, that is... Uh, listen, uh, my, I'm already getting Harry Watlin on for the 2030 manager race, so so there you go. <laughs> um, look, thanks to everybody for, for tuning in and watching. It was really good to interact and, and see all the comments as per. Um, just remember, give us a like and subscribe. We're on all the usual channels. Uh, the next show will be on Sunday, 8 o'clock. I'm not sure who's taking that one, but I know it'll be a fantastic show with lots to take uh, talk about. But take care, everybody, and we will see you all soon. Oh, my God.